Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of The View Podcast. I'm Akshara, the head of customer marketing at View.ai, and I'll be your podcast host for the day. On our past few episodes, we've been talking all things retail, what stores are doing, why privacy is a concern for customers these days, and how innovation is being brought to retail experiences. Today, our focus is going to be fashion in a way you've never heard before. Our podcast guest is Kalamba Giacomini, an independent stylist who's got a decade of styling experience working with marquee luxury companies like Matches, Browns, and Net-A-Porter. We're so excited to talk to her about how personal styling has evolved over the years and why technology will play an important role in the future of fashion. Welcome, Kalamba. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Um, so let's start off, you know, a little bit with your profile. It's a pretty interesting mix of um, fashion experience. You're a personal stylist, you're a wardrobe consultant, you specialize in wardrobe maintenance, clearance, and personal shopping. Um, what interested you in getting into this space? I I love being around people and I, I love, I'm a, a real giver, I guess. So I really love sort of making people's lives better. And I find that dressing people has such an impact on their lives to give them confidence to give them make them feel great and so I think I started by just like it started really with my friends when I was at boarding school always trying to help them look better um if we were going to a party or whatever was happening and I always wanted to kind of make everyone look their best and because it makes you feel your best by about 10 years ago I worked at matches in one of their boutiques and one day a lady came in and she said, I saw you last week, but you were busy. So I've come back and I really wanted you to help me because I watched you helping someone else. And then after about 20 minutes, she took me into the fitting room. And she said, please, will you come to my house and will you dress me forever? And, that, right. and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Having always loved doing it and done some, some styling before and it just sort of tumbleweed weeded from there. I just grew the business, stopped working for matches, but now work really closely with matches. And I just, you know, find new clients all the time and just expand my, what I do every day. So yeah, that's how it started. Right. You know, Columba, styling as a concept was always restricted to more affluent communities, if you would say. And um, today's social media and digital shopping platforms have made all of it so much more accessible. So whether it's Netaporta or Matches or Moda Kurandi or any of the luxury retailers, um, people can now access luxury at the click of a button and, you know, personal styling services. So how has the role of stylists evolved in the last decade and what has changed? Where, where do you see this going? Well, to start with, like you say, it really was only for the super affluent, but I have clients from all from all different backgrounds and all walks of life, and I have clients who will sort of save up and use me once every season to really help them sort of make a path for how they want to shop that season, and I'll have other people who I see every week. I think that... The, the personal stylists you get in shops and in, on Net-A-Porter and the style services are amazing. They can be so helpful. They really know their product. It really it means that you can get a little bit more help and assistance, even if it's just online um, and not going into a boutique. So there's no actual client facing, but you have got somebody at the end of the phone. So I think that has really helped. means that everyone can have someone to help them. Also, the fact that places like Netta Porter are really now also specializing 
they're not just the super high end. They've come down a bit, a little bit as well. And they've got some, a lot more mid price brands, which means then that they're discovering people that are cool and unique and interesting, but it's not so expensive. It becomes unaffordable. Um, so I think that really helps as well. Right. You know, to the second part of my question, do you think a stylist's role is going to evolve um, in the future? Like, do you think they're going to be using tech or do you think they're going to be doing anything different than what they already do today? Well, I use tech now. I use tech in when I'm trying to find a product that I can't find. You know, those sites like List and things like that where I, it, it tells you on which site all around the world the product is stocked. I use that a lot for sourcing things. I use the search engine in um, websites a lot too. So if I want to find something really specific, like I want, I'm always wanting something with sparkles. So if I want sparkly shoes or shoes with crystals, now Net-A-Porter has an amazing search engine. So you can just put in crystal shoe and everything that has any form of sparkle on it will appear. And I think that that makes choosing the choosing process much quicker as opposed to having to scroll through page and page and page and page you can edit down to really actually what you're looking for and I think people are often looking for specific colors prints lengths sleeve length you know everyone has their individual quirks but they they don't like the back of their arms they don't like their calves they have bunions whatever it is and if you can search like in great detail on a website it really makes the shopping experience so much better and as a stylist when I'm looking after say 25 people at the same time if I can narrow it down it makes my time much quicker and it means that I'm charging them less because I'm not having to spend five hours I maybe can do what I could do in five hours in two which makes it more means means I can do more and then I can charge them less Absolutely. That's actually a great point about, you know, just how tech can sort of play that role in productivity and making things a lot more efficient um, from a stylist's point of view when they're actually looking for inventory. Um, you know, curating a look for your clients obviously requires taking, you know, multiple things into consideration. So whether it's understanding their personality, the kind of look they want to portray, um, you know, researching brands and sourcing merchandise. So what's your process of putting things together for people? I have clients, some who are in America. I have one client who I didn't meet for three years. I just used to have her send me tons of pictures. So I always start with anyone. If I can't go meet them for a coffee by saying, send me loads of photos of yourself. I just want to see, see you at all angles, see what you like to be in, see you you know, some people go to the mirror and take a picture of themselves in their underwear. Others just send me pictures of themselves dressed, you know, whatever it is. I I just need a visual of you. And for somehow, and I guess that's why this is my job, from there, I can pull out what I think is your style. And you'll they'll usually have told me what they're looking for or what events they're dressing for or whatever it is. But I tend to, as long as I can see a picture of someone, I get a real understanding and feeling of them. And I just go from there. And usually the first time it, I get a lot of stuff to try. Sometimes it's a little overwhelming because I can pull as much as I want. So I, you know, I warn you like the first time there's going to be a lot, it'll take a while, but you don't need to try everything on. Some things I'll pull out and you'll say, no, I hate it. And I have no offense if you don't like it. I didn't make it. It's not my baby. It's just we move on and we move on to the next thing. But it's just how you get to know someone. And also 
you need to see them in their underwear. You need to see them trying things on to realize that actually they think they're a size 10, but maybe really they're an eight on the top and they're slightly bigger on the bottom. And you just get the, you get to grips with that. A lot of people think that they're bigger than they are too. I have that issue a lot where they're all, right. um, style someone and they'll be like oh I'm definitely a size 12 and you get there and they're tiny and you're like you're definitely not a size 12 right we also have a wonderful tailor so nobody's bodies are the same so once I have once we have dressed you I bring in the tailor and she can move things around lift the waist up drop the arms how whatever it is that needs doing because I think that one of the problems with shopping when you don't have someone to help necessarily is you're like oh it doesn't fit but it doesn't mean it necessarily doesn't fit. It might just mean that it needs tweaking to fit you because not everybody is obviously the same shape. As much as the tech will always help and it's, I love that it's growing and it really does help me, the human element for me is the key. The feeling you get when you're in a room with someone, how you can calm them down, how you can build them up, how you can make them brave. That's the most important bit for me. Right. And I think, um, you know, I think that's very interesting thing you said about the human element. Can you, you know, give us a little anecdote or talk about something where you really had an interesting experience with one of your personal shopping clients? I have with my clients that I see regularly, I have what we call the power of veto. And if I think they're making a mistake, I'm allowed to say, no, you're wrong. You need to buy that. It's the right thing. And I promise you, you're going to wear it. And I would say 9.9 .9 times out of 10, I get a message the moment they've worn it. And I and it's like, oh my God, I loved it. I feel amazing. It was amazing. I, I, you were totally right. And that always makes me feel really good. Or things like the other day, one of my clients sent me a screenshot and her husband had sent her a message after lunch with her. I just left her and she'd gone to lunch with him. And it said, I just want to let you know, you look so beautiful today. And I'm so lucky to be married to you. And she felt amazing. I felt amazing. It, he obviously thought she looked amazing. And it's just those kind of things that really make the whole thing worthwhile for me. I have a new client that I'm seeing lately and she's recovering from, um, she's recovering from breast cancer and she's had reconstructive surgery and she is, she's really dressing a whole new body and she just feels amazing. And she just went on a trip and we, I got tons of updates of pictures and she felt so fab. She looked stunning. Her husband loved it. She just really felt back in her skin. And I think I have multiple clients who've been through that actually. And as women, your body's changed, the aging process, you have children, you know, all sorts of things change. But if you, if I can help them dress for the body they have at that moment and make them feel good, even if that body is not the one that they are used to or whatever it is, if I can help make you feel good at the time, then that's really for me the absolute key. I would like to ask you, you know, in your experience as a stylist um, or the kind of things and the styling recommendations and the personalized styling services you might see online or both at the store, where do you think people or brands actually make mistakes? Like, like, what do you what think people don't do right when it comes to styling? I have a real, it really upsets me when I'll go into someone's wardrobe and there'll be a whole load of weird Balenciaga that doesn't fit very well. And you just know that some shop assistant saw her coming and went, oh, perfect. She likes to shop clearly. And I'm just going to sell her a whole lot of things and tell her she looks great. And you play on someone's insecurities or you 
And for me, that's a real annoyance. I think that even when I worked in a shop, I could never sell someone anything that didn't really 100% suit them. I think you really, you have to have a conversation and you have to be honest. I think everybody values honesty when they're shopping. And I'm really happy to turn around and tell my client that she looks like a potato in it or that she looks like a stuffed sausage or whatever it is. And that, you know, we laugh about it and it's funny. But I think the key is honesty. And I think that's the one thing sometimes I notice when people have been out shopping in certain places and it's it happens all around the world in every area. It's not a specific brand or anything I can I would name. I think it's just dependent on the individual I just don't like when people sell people things just because they're either getting a commission or they want to sell it I think it really has to be you want to if you want good customer service and you want people to come back then you have to um, be honest and truthful with what they're buying right obviously you know you work with a lot of different types of clients so what does a typical day for a personal stylist look like my routine. So if I'm seeing someone, so say on Monday, I have three clients. Usually I try and see people for kind of between two and three hours, not very often much longer at a time, because it can be really tiring getting clothes on and off doing things. So two, between two and five hours is kind of the max. And I if I'm editing and I'm taking them clothes, I will have had to two days prior to that decided what I'm going to bring and have it sent over. So I will have edited from matches or Nat Porter, or I'll, I'll have gone to Sloan street and gone down around all the boutiques and selected what I want to have her try or him try. Right. So that would be at home with my sausage dog, who's my assistant, uh, beavering away like or online, choosing everything, putting it in a list and sending it off to the stores and having them pack it all and get it ready and giving them a time. And then I'll go, to the client's house and um, I will unpack everything, put let, lay it all out, show her what I've brought and then go through slowly trying everything on if that's what we're doing. Or sometimes I'll go around and we'll be doing her, her diary. So it'll be, we'll have a diary out. We'll be going through writing notes on each occasion, on each event, what she's gonna wear, um, sometimes we try it on, sometimes we lay it out. Usually we take photographs so that we have them as reference so that when she is there without me, she has still has the picture, even if it's written down. Sometimes I'll go around just to make outfits. So that'll be just three hours of getting things out of the cupboard, trying things on, laying it all out on the floor, taking pictures so that when she next travels, she has them as a reference. It really varies. Um, and that's my side if I'm with a client. If I am with a brand, I'll be going into their offices. I'll be looking through their inventory. I'll be discussing new season collections or things that I like or however, whatever element they'd like help with. I'll be going and discussing and discussing that or be going to maybe going to a design meeting with someone and giving my input on what I feel would be really commercial and what I think maybe, you know, the elements maybe that, I could take a look at a collection and be like, oh, maybe if you added five things into here, you'd give yourself, you don't need to change much, but it would give you something a bit more commercial that is easy to produce. So that kind of thing as well. I would like to ask you this question and also, um, you know, talk about how your clients approach this. But um, how do you, when you're styling somebody, how do you look for styling inspiration? Do you use 
a lot of images from street style or do you look at the runway or do you look at Instagram? How does that work? I, I, I often wonder this myself. I don't spend hours looking at street style or images. I do follow a few. There's a really great um, Scandinavian one called like Nordic Style Report, I think. And I always think that they look great. However, what they're wearing very rarely translates into something I could put on someone. I just like looking at, at the pretty pictures. For me, it's all a feeling in the room. I I check what's the what's new pages of everywhere. Um, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever days people have stuff dropping, I check. I have WhatsApp conversations going with a huge amount of boutiques and they'll send me over images. And it's really from there. It's I take inspiration from the item of clothing and build around it or from the person and build around it. So it's not necessarily, I don't read every magazine. I don't like scour stuff. I really more spend time with the people, time looking at actual pieces and work that way around. You know, going back to the evolution of stylists, companies like Stitch Fix and Trunk Club have introduced the idea of a modern personal stylist, right? Where tech is actually starting to play a pivotal role. So things like AI and automation are curating subscription boxes, um, understanding customers better and putting together things better. So what are your thoughts on this and how do you see you know, like deep AI tech helping stylists on a broader scale, not in, not on a personal shopping level, but just in general styling across the globe? I think when it comes to those trunk boxes, I think for men, I imagine for men, that is super duper helpful. You put in your style, you put in your sizes, and they send you a box of things, and it all fits, hopefully, if you've got your sizes right. And it's like a one-stop shop and off you go and you're ready. For women, I think my style is quite, I guess it's a little bit sort of schizophrenic in the fact that I have so many personalities to the way I like to dress. So I, I don't know if AI is at the stage where it could decide for me even if it looked through what I was already buying, but maybe I'm wrong because obviously I don't use it for that. So I don't need that element from it. But I think if you're a working woman, say, and you just need great suits and you need great, and it's a bit more, it's a bit more structured. I can imagine it would be really helpful to just be like, Oh, every season I need three suits or some great trousers or great shirts. And it's a more kind of, concise brief I can imagine it would be amazing I know that my clients do send me pictures from Instagram and things that that they like and then I often source them or if it's like a look someone likes I'm like oh that's a cool look we can I can help sort of emulate it but uh it tends to come from their side as opposed to from my side I don't tend to find them an image necessarily and be like I think you should dress like this I tend to find them a piece that I'm like you must own this and we are going to make multiple outfits with this new Saleron leather jacket with a belt, for example. And this is going to be the look I think that you should be rocking and let's make tons of outfits with it. Um, you know, what are some of the brands that you think have nailed uh, shopping experiences in the UK? Because now we're seeing like the rise of experiential retail. People are doing like interesting store concepts and formats. They're doing, you know, pop-up stores. They're doing a lot of spaces that are uh, making shopping really fun and interesting for people. Well, Matches for me is 100% number one in that. They have their beautiful five or six story house on Carlos Place in Mayfair. They do the most interesting 
pop-ups, events, music, art. Um, air, they have a cafe up there. They have beautiful puzzle shopping suites. Every day of the week, there's something interesting to look at in there. It's not necessarily a place you can walk in and shop directly from, but it, sometimes there is shops. Sometimes it's just amazing installations. Sometimes it's wonderful music nights. So for experience, I think they are 100% number one because I've been there to make pottery. I've been there to listen to designers talk about their work. I've been there to music concerts. I've been there for everything and I find it absolutely fascinating. All your senses are getting a, having fun all at the same time, which is great. Um, Netaporta, their service is incredibly good. You know, their next day delivery, their same day delivery, Matches also does a 90 minutes delivery, which is amazing. If you're in central London, that's awesome. I love like the smaller pop-ups that come. I live in Notting Hill. So there's often a great pop-up on Westbourne Grove. That's really interesting. And they have sort of spaces there, which are pretty much just designed for pop-ups. So you'll be walking along and you find really interesting things. Um, I went to one that was actually for a floral pop-up of someone who does the most unbelievable um floral designs for parties and things and they've done this whole experience in a shop that you walk through and it was changing as you walk through and if I was about to get married that would have they would have been the first person I would have called to to be after seeing what they could do it was amazing and I think when you see it come to life that really is wonderful Dover Street Market is an amazing experience it's not always my style it's quite they have it's quite out there and it's not always what I'm looking for but you always do go there and it's an incredible experience to go and look through and they have wonderful staff in there who are really really helpful um I think everyone's really trying uh but matches really nail the event side of it you walk into their world and and it's so cool and different and the people they partner with you know, they just did a whole thing with the Il Pelicano Hotel and it was so cool. And they put a shop on a boat outside the hotel, you know, and the you see the clientele that they're encouraging to shop there. And it's it's really the people that are shopping there and you, you feel that the brand partnerships are so on point and who they're getting to represent them is so on point and it's so interesting. And the mingling of art and fashion and food and furniture all together in one space you just I'm permanently like in awe of their edit so I think them they're my number one can you tell us uh you know the top three brands that have been consistently good you know with just their aesthetic over the years Saint I always want everything um they create a wardrobe for a really cool girl and I just I always want to wear it that you don't almost even realize that you always are buying it if that makes sense my clients will it'll be like slipping into their wardrobe and after a while you're like do you see how much salary you've bought and they don't it's not even that they're clocking it it's just the coolest pieces are always coming from them Hermes is always my dream list I think that it's the height of luxury I think if I could have anything I wanted it would be a room full of Hermes handbags um that would be my my dream list um and then finally as it's the summer and I've just come back from Ibiza Missoni I wore somebody pointed out to me that I'd worn Missoni nearly every day of the holiday so it just makes you feel good it's happy it's fun so Missoni for for the summertime perfect and last question what would be your advice to stylists around the world if you were to tell them something that you've learned 
always listen to your clients, um, but don't be afraid to push them and to try new things and to be brave and to just to hold their hand and understand that sometimes people are difficult and usually as a stylist people can be difficult when you're dealing with clothes but it's really nothing to do with the clothes it's to do with something that's going on in their life so allow people their own neuroses and hold their hand and allow and give them the confidence that they do look great and try to instill that in them um I think that's the key just make them feel the best version of themselves and just you're there to give them as much confidence as you can. Yes, absolutely. I can imagine why your clients might be completely dependent on you to give them your viewpoint. Also, they've placed a lot of trust in you to put you know, their wardrobe together. So obviously there's um, a personal connection that's being formed uh, and it's a very valid point. Um, well, that brings us to the end of our podcast, Columba. Thank you so much for uh, being on our podcast today, taking us into your world of styling, fashion, working with companies like Matches and Nata Porter. I think we definitely learned a lot. Um, and we're very, very glad that you could share all of these experiences with us today. For those of you who are looking for your daily dose of fashion, retail, and AI, you guys should subscribe to The View Podcast. Until the next episode, bye-bye.